John, because he's just awesome like that. And so our thoughts and our prayers are with him, right? All right. So today we're talking about modern dating, and uh, there's so much to say in such little time. And so I feel like there's so many things that I want to address and talk about, but uh, just know that this is just really one slice uh, because we only have like this 15, 20 minutes today, right? Uh, let's start with the word of prayer. Gracious and merciful God, we give you thanks that as we are gathered here today, that you would open our hearts and our minds as we investigate what it means to be in relationship with others. We ask that this ancient text would speak words of truth and life and that they would be applicable and relevant here and now today. And so, so we open ourselves to the working of your spirit and we ask all these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Before we really get started, I just want to acknowledge, we have a group of youth group students here. I don't mean to single you guys out, but from the northern suburbs, Glenview, and 7th, 8th graders here, they're part of their confirmation class to check out different worship experiences. Do you remember what it was like to be in 7th or 8th grade? Right? A lot of nervous chuckling, right? Um, and so... I just, want, I just want to say thank you so much for being here. Uh, it, is, it is truly our honor and joy to host you at Urban Village Church. You guys are our honored guests today. And uh, we hope that this is a real blessing for you. Just wanted to throw that out there, uh, that we absolutely love you guys and you are absolutely special. But today we're going to talk about dating. <laughs> and the dating game is changing. I'm reading this book by Aziz Ansari called Modern Romance. And he, <laughs> it's a great book. Uh, if you ever get to see him, his stand-up, it, it's even better. He does a lot of statistical research, and one of the things is that 100 years ago, people met their spouses or their partners uh, by, based on geographic proximity. So he interviewed one uh, lady and said, how did you meet your husband? And she said, oh, he was just the boy that lived down the street from me. He interviewed uh, an old gentleman and he said, how did you meet your wife? And he said, oh, she, was, uh, she lived three floors above me in my apartment building. And so geographic proximity, uh, I want to not want to say limited, but it sort of became your focal point for how and where you found people. And of course, we're talk and mostly we're talking about um, heterosexual relationships. But as the, as the world changed and as people started migrating and moving out and the nuclear families stopped you know, living in one place for 20, 30 years, people started moving to cities, that geographic scape, uh, scope, it got larger. So people started meeting um, uh, partners and started dating when they went off to college or when they went off to work or they moved to the city and they would meet all kinds of new people through friends of a friend or you know, uh, a cousin of a friend or something like that. But now we live in the digital age. And with the power of the internet, and not just your computer, with the power of your smartphone, you can literally connect to millions and millions of people with just the push of a button and the swipe of a finger, right? But in some ways, even though we have millions and millions of options, it doesn't make it easier because sometimes it's better to have fewer options than to have millions of options. So I was just in Southern California this week and I literally polled every single person that I knew 
all right? And every single person I encountered about dating and relationships. So every single waiter, bartender, every single Uber driver, and every single friend and pastor that I met, I, I asked them all about dating. And one of my single friends, he's on all of the dating apps. All of them. And so he's telling me the pros and cons of each of these dating apps, and they're all a little bit different. One of them, I'm pretty sure, is a uh, Eastern European prostitution scam. <laughs> I was like, man, like this one, you need to delete that right now. <laughs> uh, public service message, it starts with a B, and if it's too good to be true, then it probably is. <laughs> anyway, so he pulls up his Tinder app, if you don't know what Tinder is, it's like this app. I didn't really know what it is. It's this app where you can meet people and uh, you look at a picture and if you think they're attractive, you swipe right. And then if you have no interest in them, sorry, I have something on my head. Swipe right. <laughs> and then if your right swipe matches up with their right swipe, then I think Tinder connects you somehow. So he's just flipping through it. Left, right, left, right, left, right. Like going through maybe like 10 or 20 people. And I said, hey, do you even read their bios? Like, or is it just pictures? He's like, yeah, there's a bio, but people don't really care about that. You just, you just swipe through. And I'm thinking, how on earth, how on earth do you just flip and swipe through 10, 20, 30? I think if you pay more money, you can swipe through like 100 people a day. And I thought, how impersonal, and not, not, nobody's judging here, but I thought, it's so much harder than being at church and seeing that guy or that girl, uh, maybe there's one or two people and you go to meet them. The world is changing. Back in the day, you used to have to ask someone out face to face. You'd have to take a shower, get dressed, <laughs> stand by the water cooler and say, um, yeah, so that movie is coming out. Like, Maybe we can go watch it together. <laughs> I can't even fake it for real. It's like it's so awkward doing it. Because I'm, I'm borderline Gen X, borderline millennial. But you have to do that face to face. And when you take the time to engage someone face to face, uh, here's a tip. It's much harder to say no. Right? <laughs> you know, ladies, gentlemen, whoever, um, if you want to ask someone out and you want a high percentage rate, ask them face to face. <laughs> But then, you know, then people moved, as society shifted, people started asking people out on the phone, you know, awkward conversations like, hey, so, um, yeah, that bio test is really hard, right? Yeah, I'll see you tomorrow in school. It's like, <laughs> oh, why didn't I ask them out? You know, that awkwardness. But now people, now people ask people out via text. And there's nothing wrong with it because I asked my wife out on her first date via text, too. Like, at 2 in the morning, I was like, hey, I don't even remember what I texted. I wrote something like, I like you. Do you like me? <laughs> and no, I was not in 7th or 8th grade. I was like 28 or something. <laughs> Jenny, you didn't save that text, did you? No, I know. I'm totally... <laughs> and, and that's how the world is changing as well. And so I just want to acknowledge there's absolutely no judgment. There is no judgment whichever way that you meet people, but I want to put it out there that we acknowledge that the world is changing and we don't want to be those curmudgeons saying, oh, I'm not going to do that. Whatever works for you will work for you. Uh, and so as I polled a lot of people, I asked the question, 
What are you looking for? What are you looking for when you're finding, when you're looking for a date? And I basically got two types of responses. The first type of response was an aspirational response. So their answer would say, I'm looking for someone that I can spend the rest of my life with. I'm looking for somebody who is going to push and challenge me. I'm looking for somebody who shares my hobbies and interests. I'm looking for somebody that's going to keep me in check to sort of balance me out. And some of these aspirations are realistic and some of them are unrealistic. Like one person said, yeah, I'm looking for somebody who's cute and sexy and intelligent and athletic, but also loves to read books and is a food connoisseur and loves adventure, but loves to stay home and just watch Netflix. And I'm like, okay, yeah, okay. It's like, I hope you're that well-rounded too. But it's aspirational. You're dreaming, you're envisioning. The second type of response I got, and I would say is 75% of the responses that I got, whether through my Facebook poll or people I encountered, was basically a laundry list of deal breakers. And the responses, most of them went something like this. As long as they dot, 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 then I will date them. And so uh, a lot of people actually said, as long as they're not a serial killer, then I will date them. <laughs> As, as long as they're not a total beep, 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 then they're okay. And so that was a lot of responses that I got. And I, you know, I chuckled and I laughed at a lot of them, but I thought perhaps this is an indicator of how difficult it is to find a good date, right? Can I get an amen on there? Oh, wow, that was a lot more <laughs> But it's true. You, you, become, you become callous, you become jaded because you have such terrible experiences. But look, we're not, the dating game is not the business of uh, deal breaker management. Well, as long as they're not a serial killer, as long as they're not a horrible human being, then I'll date them. No, we're in the business of looking for our soulmates. And I want to say, you know, people say, oh, you know, you young people, you millennials, you know, you want everything. You know, just find someone nice and marry them. No, I don't think it's like that. We're looking for people that we can share our lives with, with deep authenticity, with honesty, and to have a real emotional connection. Um, and I think one of the things that I, I want to acknowledge, too, is that... Um, Dating is just really different for everyone. It depends on where you are in your life. It depends on, I feel like, uh, I don't want to make the assumption that uh, being in a heterosexual relationship and, and that dating scene is also going to be the same as being in a non-heterosexual uh, dating scene either as well. And so it's very complicated and I just want to be clear that I'm, I don't want to make any type of assumptions or I may say something that might offend you or that you might disagree with. And so please feel free at the end of uh, this service, if I say something that really irks you the wrong way, just come and feel free to push back, and I would love to have uh, deeper conversations about that. But today, uh, what is the, we're asking the question, what does the Bible say about dating? Because we're here at church, and the truth of the matter is this, the Bible says nothing about dating. <laughs> Zero. Because dating is a the, the topic of our sermon is called modern dating, which is totally redundant because dating is modern. Dating as we know it 
probably came about within the last hundred years, uh, in the entire you know hundreds of thousands of years of human history. Hundred years. And dating as we knew it probably really started maybe 40 or 50 years from where we are today. So the Bible doesn't have anything to say about it because in the Bible time, you were in a relationship purely for the purpose of marriage. And marriage was not about finding that loved one, oh, you know, you complete me, I complete you. It wasn't about that. It was about maintaining social stability, it was about maintaining social norms, and it was about land acquisitions and making bridges across different tribes and you know, creating peace. It wasn't about love, it wasn't about finding your soulmate. And so the Bible says very little about dating, and it says nothing about dating, so for some tr Christian traditions, they came to the conclusion, because the Bible says nothing about dating, then God does not want you to date. That was very much my Christian tradition. And so when I was growing up, uh, like late 90s, this book came out. I hear some chuckling already. Does that, can you guess what book this is? I Kiss Dating Goodbye. I Kiss Dating Goodbye. It was a book that came out, and... So... so, so, so <laughs> so, I Kiss Dating Goodbye was this book, and basically the premise was that you should not date, but you should court. I was like, what court? Courting is that you only uh, date someone with the express purpose of getting married. Now, uh, there's no like, oh, let me date this person, let me date that person. It wasn't like that. And that book, it, it was like a steamroller, it gave so much traction and momentum during my high school and college years. That book single-handedly broke up more Christian relationships than teenage drama would have broken up by itself. And so, I, 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 I can't even begin to count the number of times that a scenario like this happened. It, and it was, all, it was always the girl breaking up with the guy. She would call him up and say, hey, I'm reading this book that my pastor gave me. I kissed dating goodbye. And as I'm reading this book, I want to focus my life on Jesus, and I don't think that our relationship is helping that, so we got to break up. And then on the other end of the line, the guy would be like, what? 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 I'm Christian too! It's, it's, it's a hard thing, because it's one thing for someone to say, yeah, I'm not interested in you. Like, I found somebody else. It's another thing to say, well, I'm going to be dating Jesus from now on, so you and I have to break up. And so that was very much a part of what, the, what dominated the church's uh, language or dialogue about dating. Along with I Kiss Dating Goodbye, uh, there's definitely this message uh, about you should definitely not have premarital sex. And uh, not only for like youth group students or youth or children, but definitely uh, for adults as well. And so that was the message that permeated Christian tradition probably for the last like, 50 years. And, but what if you did have premarital sex? And what if you were a Christian? Then that would create this whole like, internal turmoil of, well, like, uh, I'm a second-class Christian now. I, I should, you know, I, I'm ashamed of this. How will anyone love me? 
I made this mistake. And it created this entire culture of, of being closeted and this culture of shame. And I just want to say this. Uh, as, we were, as we were talking about this sermon this morning before the first service, uh, I asked some people, I said, what, what do you think is really important for us to talk about? And they said, we need to talk about premarital sex. And I said, I don't want to talk about that in my sermon. I didn't even write about it. I totally want to avoid that. But let me say this. I don't want to offer any hard, fast rules like yes or no. But I will say this. Sex itself can be beautiful and life-giving. And sex can also be extremely toxic. And that can happen with... Uh, that can happen in certain relationships, and even in that same relationship, it can turn toxic. With certain people, it can be life-giving, and with other people, it could be toxic. And with one person, it could be toxic at one point in their life, and then as they work through their issues, it could be not toxic later. And so do you see how complex it becomes? And so it doesn't do us justice for me to you know, stand on the soapbox and say, God wants you to do this, because it's not that simple. And so I encourage you to keep thinking about that, keep talking about that. And if you are dealing with that kind of like shame and inner turmoil, uh, there needs to be some healing that goes on there as well. And especially here at Urban Village Church, we believe that God is in the business of healing and restoration. We are not in the business of giving you rules and making you feel like crap if you break them. That's not what we do here. So just a couple of things as we look at our scripture reading. Uh, that I think are really, really important for us. Whether you are gay, whether you're straight, whether you're questioning, uh, whether you are dating, whether you are married, whether you are, uh, whether you're striving single, or whether you are absolutely celibate, our scripture reading has a lot of important things to speak to us about how we relate to people. First part. Colossians chapter 3 verses 12 begins by saying we are God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. Now, some people have interpreted this passage to say, oh yes, certain people are chosen by God, they are elected, and they are better than other people. That is not what this passage is talking about. What this passage is saying is that you and I, none of us sitting here today, are insignificant. Every single one of us has been carefully crafted and created by God to be a unique masterpiece. Now, you might be sitting there thinking, what a bunch of crap. <laughs> I truly believe that every single one of us here possesses a unique gift, a talent, a beauty, external or internal, that you possess that nobody else has. So there's this video game that I used to play when I, a few years back. It's called NBA Street. And it's like a basketball game, and you get to create your own player. So you can design what kind of hair and how tall and what they look like and their different outfits. And you can pick what kind of skill sets they have. But here's the thing. Here's the catch. You can create any kind of player you want, but you only have 500 points. And so you can use those 500 points, and you can put it towards two-point shooting skills, three-point skills, slam dunk skills, power, jumps, uh, ball handling skills and speed. And so you might have somebody who's an awesome three-point shooter, but there's no way that they're going to be able to do a crossover in the video game. And so you had to use those 500 points based on how you wanted your player to be. And so 
there was really no advantage because everyone was spaced out and created differently. Now, I know it's uh, silly and kind of stupid, but I believe that that's the way that God operates for every single one of us. I believe that every single one of us here has 500 points. I believe that every single one of us has been uniquely gifted and talented and created in a way where you are so good at something that you are better than somebody, that, that you are just unique and that you're talented and you are just gifted in a way that nobody else is. The problem is, is that we tell ourselves this lie. We tell ourselves, oh, that person is smarter, more beautiful, more talented, has more things, has more opportunities, and is just living in a different echelon in life than I am. We beat ourselves up. And that's a total, total lie. And I feel like when we buy into that lie, it, it hurts our self-esteem. It... Um, <laughs> hurts your self-image, we begin to compare ourselves to other people. And let me say this, when you think that you are less than somebody else, then you're going to let people treat you like crap. And that's destructive. Think about, our, think about the internet these days. When was the last time you posted an ugly picture of yourself on Instagram and Facebook? <laughs> it's like, wow! It's like, I look like a monster. Post. No. We're, not, we're not trying to deceive people, but we post the best pictures of ourselves. We're like, wow, I look good in this one. Post. What was the last time that you did a status update on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram where you just totally blew something? I mean, you were a total idiot. There's nothing redemptive about it. And you're like, well, let me share what I did today with the rest of the world. And not with irony, not with humor, and not to get attention from people. Like, just totally, like, you're embarrassed. Like, let me just share about what I did, you know? Like, I pooped in my pants or something, right? <laughs> but not even that funny. It's just something <laughs> We don't do things like that. But instead, when we look at our social media, what do we look at? We look at the... Great things that other people, wow, she looks beautiful, wow, he's so cool, wow, look at their status update, flying out of O'Hare to um, Dubai or Waikiki Beach or something. We look at the highlight reels of other people's lives, we think that's reality, we think that they're living in a different echelon of life than we are, and then we feel like crap about ourselves. And God is saying, no, you are holy, you're chosen. You are unique. You are gifted. Don't buy into that lie. Scripture goes on to say, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. I want me to say those are qualities and characteristics of a healthy individual. So in my polling, in my <laughs> dating poll, one of the things that came up very consistently, one of the responses that came up for a deal breaker was, if I'm out on a date with somebody and they are mean to the waiter or waitress, for me that's an automatic deal breaker. Because when you're mean to a waiter or waitress, at some point, they will be mean to you. All right? And so, you want to hold yourself and the person that you're dating to this standard of, are they compassionate? Are they caring? Are they kind? Or are they mean? Are they humble? Or do they make me feel all tense, like I'm not good enough, and make me feel defensive? Are they humble? Are they gentle? 
I mean, being gentle doesn't mean that you're a doormat, but it means that you're sensitive and perceptive to the feelings and thoughts of other people. And are they patient? I'm not patient. <laughs> and so I don't want to give off the wrong message that you need to be compassionate, kind, uh, humble, gentle, and patient, and then God will just throw the perfect person into your lap. It doesn't work that way. But these are qualities and characteristics that you and I need to be working towards, and those are also the standards that we should be holding to other people. Because Lord knows that uh, if we had to wait until we master these qualities and characteristics, then, you know, yeah, I mean, yeah, I would totally not be married. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm really not close to perfecting or mastering any of these things. We're all a work in progress. The last thing, uh, as we close, I, I, I want to point out, the scripture says, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Every single person in this room has been hurt by somebody. Every single person in this room has also hurt somebody as well. And if you're thinking, oh, not me, then you need a reality check. Every single person has been hurt, and every single person hurts other people. And Forgiveness is not an act. It's not something that you do one day and not another day. Forgiveness isn't thing, something that you do for others and, uh, and not for that person over there. Forgiveness is a lifestyle. Because essentially what forgiveness is this. It's saying, you know what? I will not let that crappy thing that you did to me hold power over my life. I forgive you and I'm moving on. Because when we are not able to forgive those past hurts, those pains... It doesn't mean that we forget. It doesn't mean that we become a doormat. But it means that I will not allow that pain, that suffering, to hold power over my life because I have a future and a place where God wants me to move into. And we don't want to restrict, we don't want to block ourselves by holding on to that pain. And I think that's another really important thing as we think about dating and relationships. There's like a bunch of stuff that I can talk about. I am a younger sibling. I have an older sister. And so I'm a total brat. I am that friend that when uh, you haven't seen each other for a while, I'm that friend. So I'm like, so how's the dating life going? You know, are you interested in anyone? And they're all like, uh, and I'm the one that like totally peppers and bugs them. I was that kid in junior high. So who do you like? So who do you like? So who do you like? I love talking about this stuff. And there's a million things to talk about. And sadly, at the church, we don't talk about it. We give rules. We, give, uh, we put up fronts. But we need to talk about dating. We need to talk about relationships. We need to talk about the hurt, the pain, the brokenness. We need to talk about our aspirations. We need to talk about our uh, deal breaker management. All of that stuff needs to be talked about. Because here's the reality. There is no such thing as Christian dating. There isn't. What there is, is we can ask ourselves, how is my faith as a Christian going to inform my dating relationships moving forward? And you can only do that in community. You can't do that sitting by yourself. And so I encourage you to continue that conversation. I encourage you to continue that conversation in a small group. If you're not in a small group, get in a small group. Uh, if you're not connected, get connected and start talking about it. Let's pray.